Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. We would like to begin today by acknowledging and paying respects to the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations, the traditional custodians of the land on which we are gathered here today. I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Hi everyone. Hi there. My name is Jane. My name is Kurt. And this is Major Look, a podcast where we make each other watch episodes of our favourite TV shows and then try and work out why we love the things that we love. Mm-hmm. And this season, uh, we haven't come up with a name for this season. Have uh, we? we have not, but we will. <laughs> this season, we're uh, doing kids shows. We are doing kids shows. Uh, we are taking some shows that we either watched as kids or now recognise as being quality children's entertainment and we're going to try and kind of figure out why we liked them or why we may like them now and use a different kind of metric to judge that as uh, based on the idea of them as kids shows. Yes because sometimes it can be a little bit hard uh, putting kids shows right alongside up amazing or at least attempting to be amazing quality yeah, like I mean, shows. Anything that's kind of aimed at adult is going to just be a little different to kids entertainment yeah. so this way we can judge it on the merits of it in the category it belongs. Yes. Um, and so uh, what did you make me watch this week, Jane? This week I made you watch Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Wind, water, heart, go planet! By your powers combined, I am Captain Planet. Captain Planet, he's a hero. Gonna take pollution down to zero. He's a I mean, technically, I actually made you watch Captain Planet and the Planeteers and the new adventures of Captain Planet. Okay, yes. When the title card came up, I'm like, I don't remember it being this long. I didn't even realise it was Captain Planet and the Planeteers. So I had seen this show, but not very much. And only I only remember one episode. So while, while doing the research... I didn't really remember the episodes at all. Like, reading through the plots, I was like, none of these plots really sound familiar. There was one where I was like, yeah, I vaguely recall that. So the, the plots weren't familiar to me. So this is one that I haven't revisited as an adult at mm. all. Um, but I, it was very close to my heart as a kid. It was like, uh, whatever time of day this was on, um, like 4.30 or whatever. Yeah, I... It was always like, dead on, this is... This is Captain Planet time. Like, it was very important to me to catch Captain Planet. I didn't care whatever whatever else the other girls wanted to watch. I had to watch Captain Planet. I've got to say, I remember the theme song being way more prevalent in the show. Well, it's just, it's the closing theme song. Yeah. I'm not sure if that changed in the first two seasons. It was always like that? It was always the closing theme song. Because the thing that's the most memorable for me is the theme song. Yeah, it's it's well known. It's like well known (laughs) as being the most prevalent thing, but it was actually only the closing theme song. Wow. Because the opening is always the the spoken introduction. Yeah, yeah. Or explaining the whole situation because it is complicated. Um, And now what's some of the production history behind it? So this show was, uh, there's two iterations as I kind of... um, alluded to there's captain planet and the planeteers which ran from 1990 to 1992 so that's three seasons and those three seasons have 113 episodes in them and on their own is the longest running um animated animated oh actually longest running children's show i think of Mm. the 90s yeah or second longest running i think and that was uh produced by a company called deke d-i-c Deke created the show and they were the production company for the first three seasons and then they got bought out by Hanna-Barbera in in 1992. And Hanna-Barbera continued the series as the new adventures of Captain Planet from uh, 1992 or 1993 until Mm. 1996. 
And there wasn't any big changes or anything to the show? Um, there were a few little changes to the show. Um, like kind of the animation style was slightly updated. Um, there were... Um, uh, different changes in casting was probably the main thing. Right. So the first three seasons, they used a lot of celebrities to host, to voice the villains mm-hmm. and also to voice Gaia. Whoopi Goldberg. So Whoopi Goldberg, right? um, she was the voice of Gaia for the whole first three seasons. I thought she was only the voice in the pilot and no. then she changed up at once after that. So I must have accidentally, when I was trying to rewatch it in university or something, I didn't make it very far. Mm-hmm. I just watched the pilot and then I watched another episode and I was like, Whoopi Goldberg. Wait, not Whoopi Goldberg. No, but the person who um, plays Gaia later on is also quite famous, Margot Kidder. Name rings a bell. Um, Lois Lane in the original Superman series. Oh, I totally know who she is. Yeah, the original Superman film series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um... Like the... Oh, go! Oh! Like, the film series! Like, like yeah, the proper, yeah, yeah, the proper yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. What underwear um, am I wearing? Sorry, I don't know why that's the the thing I remember. She says that to Superman when she's interviewing him, like, about their superpowers. Sure. I've never seen them. No, you haven't seen the Christopher Reeve Supermans? No. They're not great. <laughs> that's why I haven't watched them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they changed a lot of the casting. and but, but as a general whole, I think they kept a lot of the same creative team. Right. So a lot of that stuff didn't change. Um, there was, in the final season, um, season six... There was a there were a few big changes. Um, they changed the opening narration to this weird ass rap thing. <laughs> I had never heard it before, but I well, I listened to it for the sake of this podcast. Ninety six rap was big, but it was not a good rap. <laughs> it was fucking terrible. Well, um, there's, there's also the Pokemon rap, which is also not good. This was a very common thing in the in the mid to late nineties yeah. of changing like kids shows theme songs to instead of be like some kind of weird um like cool theme song to be like with a guitar or to be like uh, a rap and yeah. most likely by someone who can't really rap oh my god or absolutely it's slow enough that the kids can get the words and sing along with it it's fucking terrible i'll have to show it to you at some point <laughs> um they also changed the animation style a little bit in the last se- season to be uh, a little technically a little more advanced but i tried to watch it and it was weird um, I don't think I ever saw that final season. Yeah, I think it, um, it doesn't sound like something I would have seen. No, it's sort of, I think, played um, in Europe and then eventually kind of made its way to the States. I don't know if it ever made its way here. No. It's, it's quite a different beast. It just felt very weird. Mm. I didn't get very far into one of those episodes. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the basic uh, production history in terms of how long it ran. So one of the creators, um, Barbara Pyle, was um, a, a very well-known and very serious environmentalist. So she had done a lot of work on other TV shows and other networks, um, kind of doing like news segments about environmentalism and that mm. kind of thing, or, or segments on kind of current affairs type shows yeah. um, that were very specifically focused on environmentalism. And then she created this show. And then after the show, she's created a couple of different foundations called like the Planeteers or the Captain Planet Foundation. Oh, cute. Um, I think I have heard about these. Yeah, they're just kind of designed to kind of continue on the same, um, you know, activism Mm. and trying to keep the message going. I was, I remember I was surprised by how strong the messaging was for it, but I'll probably get back into that once we um, talk about the actual episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I will do the context. Mm -hmm. uh, The show text. The show text, that's right. And then I probably won't really give you any epitext because there isn't any. Um, Much more of a cyclic style show, isn't it? Absolutely. I also didn't give you heaps of show text because it's all in the, in the opening. opening. like one minute, it explains the entire That's show. That's right. So I'm, I may read out that opening just for the everybody else. Once yeah. Done this. So if you haven't seen Captain, you very well likely have not seen Captain yeah, Planet. Yeah, a lot of younger you, people. If you're a little younger and watching this podcast listening to this podcast <laughs> um it was it was right about the boom of when uh environmentalism and being more active with recycling became more i just remember littering being like the thing that was so firmly ingrained in us as kids is like don't, don't litter, litter don't, don't litter. litter 
it's one of those important messages of this show because a big part of what the show does is finish off each episode with a little PSA um, PSA type thing mm. and and it's always usually about what you can do yeah just um, to help the, the environment because the power is yours because Jane. the power is yours and so a lot of those things are things like make sure you recycle just or, little things that you can do to make a difference and yeah. impact and it couldn't be more relevant to today exactly I mean I'll talk a little bit more about the impact and the importance of this show. But anyway. Cool. Um, so the show text that I wrote is, Gaia woke up from a 100-year nap to find the planet in danger. So she gave five rings to five kids who would defend the planet from environmental disaster. They each control one of the five elements, plus Mati, who has the power of heart. One of the four elements, in fact. There are four elements. Yeah. Yep. Plus Mati, who has the power of heart. And when they combine their powers, they create Captain Planet, a wise-cracking superhero. They have a bunch of recurring villains, uh, Hoglish, Hoggish Greedly, Venomous Scum, Duke Nukem, Dr. Blight, Luton Plunder, Sly Sludge, and Zam. And the epitext that I provided was, there isn't any. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this show is very, very um, episodic, yep. and that's pretty much it. The, I'll just read out the intro text just for a little bit more context on our five main characters. <clears throat> Please allow me. Mm-hmm. Our world is in peril. <laughs> Gaia, the spirit of the earth, can no longer stand the terrible destruction plaguing our planet. She sends five magic rings to five special young people. Kwame from Africa with the power of earth. <laughs> from North America, Wheeler with the power of fire. From the Soviet Union, slash from Eastern Europe... <laughs> Because the fall of the Berlin Wall yeah, happened yeah, yeah, while yeah. this series was going. Um, Linka, with the power of wind. From Asia, Guy, with the power of water. And from South America, Mati, with the power of heart. When the five powers combine, they summon Earth's greatest champion, Captain Planet. Go, Planet! Planet. Yep. That's it. Yeah. I had to do it in the voice. Yeah, no, it was great. It doesn't exist without the voice. I was, I was not expecting that, but uh, I don't know why I shouldn't have expected any different. <laughs> Absolutely. Hi, everyone. It's two days later. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there was what one might call a slight miscommunication about the episode that uh, we were meant to watch. So... Jane was very gracious and said, no, 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 it's not entirely your fault. It's, it's also this, I didn't commune to you. We've come on a couple of... Well, only once, really. Yeah, this hasn't happened since the very first episode of Major Look, right? Well, it was it was not the first. It's got to be, like, third or when fourth When did we do something. Twin Peaks? Oh, the first season, for sure. It wasn't the first episode. Um, but in in the first... It hasn't happened since the very beginning that, that one of us has watched the wrong episode. So, anyway, we've sorted that out now. And um, now that it's uh, Wednesday, we <laughs> can go ahead with Kurt's recap. Okay, so the recap for Canned Hunt. The Planeteers are all having fun on a cruise and the girls were admiring a hunter, Trevor, who is trying to explain that it's about the challenge, the purging of the uh, environment around it and it actually can be a useful role in the system. Linka is uh, all no, 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 but then maybe, okay, um, if I check it out, but on my own terms, not under a tour from Trevor the Aussie Hunter. Terrible Australian accent. Let we don't. Yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> I feel like in all cartoons, we'll talk about it. Yeah, okay. On an island off the coast of Australia, Linka falls into a hunting trap, and through the power of heart and earth, she escapes from a bear and the ditch in the ground, and follows the mama bear to the trap, waiting for her. Since, um, what's the villain's name again? Was it Greedly? Yes, Greedly. Okay, so Hoggish Greedly uh, is actually leaving this trap behind with her baby cubs because ultimately his major hunting trophy is actually Captain Planet. Once the Planeteers are all incapacitated and the captain is summoned, the trap proves too much for Mr. Planet, who is gunned down by toxic waste. The fake hunts uh, that are set up for wealthy philanderers um, by Greedly... Philanderers? Philand... What are we... Philanthropists. No, no also not. Well, not right. mm. a philanthropist is somebody who gives money to a good okay, cause. Yeah, no, they went to a that. philanderer. I'm pretty sure is somebody who cheats on their significant other. Okay, well, definitely not that word either. I think you just mean rich person. Yeah, so some rich people go on hunts, <laughs> and it's already been established with Trevor the Hunter that um, they've never even shot a gun in their lives. Uh, and their plan is uh, found out by good old Trev that discovers that the animals have no claws, fangs. 
and were bought tame from zoos to be massacred for fun so people can come home with trophies from their trips. The mama bear keeps escaping um, and for their prize kill, but uh, Hogley puts her uh, uh, cubs at the other end of the line. But thanks to Trevor, freeing the planeteers and Captain Planet chases down the villain, putting an end to the canned hunt. Great. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Next episode. Wheeler Ark. Ar- Wheelers. Wheelers. Wheelers Ark. It belongs. Yes, the Ark yes, belongs yes, to yes. Wheelers. Like Noah's Ark. Yes. 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 I've read the Bible, Jane. I shouldn't need you to remind me. But I do. <laughs> um, after rescuing a baby wolf cub from their nemesis, Dr. Blight, and other hunters, the Planeteers take the wolf cub back with them to the base, where Gaia appreciates the sentiment but reminds them that the exotic stray animals need to return to their own climates back home. And through a number of various rescuing situations and failed attempts to return them to the wild, they are, end up with progressively more and more animals after rescuing them from poachers and hoglish, hoglish, hog, hoggish, hoggish. <laughs> and ultimately uh, Gaia explains to them that she will get them back home to a safe place to avoid picking up any more strays. That was very simplified. That was very simplified, was I know. Extremely simplified. Um, <laughs> and okay. they did the same thing like three times. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, okay. Okay, Great. so. Reactions. Reactions. Okay, we have our very clearly Australian accented Trevor. I wonder if this is an actual Australian actor putting it on that much or if it's just. And probably just a voice actor they got who put on a bad Australian accent. Yep. I mean, cartoon is exaggerated, I suppose. Okay. Um, interesting to see that we're getting, like, two sides of a discussion in um, an ep- cartoon like this. But also, it's... Um, I, I really appreciate how hard Linka is sticking to her, her stands there. Nice, nice, strong, powerful character. This is definitely going to be Jane's girl, isn't it? Oh, Marty using the power of heart. It's nice. Doesn't always get a chance to use that power. I remember I was often being, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I was always Marty with my friends. Like, always got the power of heart. <laughs> Let myself go last a few times, I think. Wow, that um, snort, laughter, grunt, noisy, pig thingy sound he makes every single time he ends the sentence is going to get old real fast. Oh, he's so evil. Uh, just gross hearing. Uh, uh, no, don't like it. Don't like it. It's already old. Okay, I really forgot about the level of puns that he has. Uh, but also his voice is really surprising me. I thought in my head he was more like powerful and distinguished. But he sounds a lot more like jockey, fun, like clown type character who's got muscles. But I guess that's what he is. Look at his face. <laughs> No, he's all playful. Wait, that's going to be very important, isn't it? Oh, gosh. The way they've just been, like, lining them up to be shot down. Oh, it's so... Oh, this is quite confronting for a kid's show. <laughs> like, I know they're, um, you know, obviously a very environmentally heavy um, message to show, but gosh, yeah, wow. Quite uh, visceral um, in its imagery, especially with the um, pictures that um, the pig hog man was taking on top of Captain Planet. Ah, so that's why it's called a canned hunt. Okay, good, good title of the episode. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Come on, Trev. Yes, go save the day. Nice to have an Aussie noble hunter being uh, an unlikely alliance to uh, the Planeteers. So on the second episode, I'm noticing that when Captain Planet is summoned, he like came out of the ground with multiple colours. Does he have multiple transformation sequences? If so, that's actually pretty cool. Like in anime Sailor Moon, it's the same one almost every single time, unless you get a movie or a series upgrade, and then it's this same one for that entire season. Hmm. Okay, and on the ongoing case of uh, Captain Planet's possible multiple transformation sequences, he just came out of a red spiral this time. A lot uh, easier to animate and not as cool looking, but still... Versatility, I suppose. For some reason, it reminds me of Saved by the Bell. Like, Slater? Hmm. That had better be a rainbow lorikeet. Oh my gosh, they remind me of my backyard noises so much. They're such loud buggers. But um, that'd be nice to see a bit more represent 
representation. Oh my gosh, of course, Kurt, they don't just go to different climates of America. They're going all across the world because each of them represents a different part of the world and it's called Captain Planet. Yep, okay. <laughs> Forgot about that. Okay, understanding the name of the episode now because the planet copter, planet ship, whatever, is certainly looking a lot like Noah's Ark. Gaia is gonna be pissed. Actually, no. Gaia's probably just going to, like, hold her finger out and wag it a little bit and do a slight jut on her hip and go, Planet Tears. Final update on Captain Planet Transformation Sequences. He just came out of blue thunder and lightning this time. So, yes, definitely different. Um, but, you know, pretty cool. Okay, so... Yeah, so I forgot that I was watching a show called Captain Planet <laughs> while watching Captain Planet. Yeah. I'm but... just so used to uh, cartoons often being Americanized. Yeah. Or very much Westernized. Yeah, very American-centric. Yes, yes. That, that influence is just permeated because that's where they often... When if, if it is a, a, an animated cartoon coming from a different country, it often has to take on a lot of attributes from that. For example, actually, Sailor Moon, um, when uh, it came from... Uh, Japan, she was known as Dumpling Head because she's got these two big ponytail things that come from these circle kind of Princess Leia bits at the top of her head. But because dumplings aren't a common food, uh, when uh, or weren't. weren't a common food when it was brought over here, she's called Meatball Head um, in the dubbed version. Um, so I'm just so used to that American-centric looking way of things that I expect it, even when I was like, oh, wait, we have all these other accents and a kid from each different corner of the globe. I mean, I think that the show in general, just in its, like, values and, um, or, like, depiction of people, it's still pretty westernised. Oh, yeah, and especially all the PCAs. PCAs? PSAs. PSAs. Um, a very... Parent, parent, caregivers association is what a PCA is. <laughs> I was going to say, I know what PSA stands for, Jane. Yeah, I didn't know what a PCA was. Um, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, is, yes, yes, very much targeted towards, you know... American schools, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's the way I guess they imagine would be the widest audience branch totally. that they're targeting for. So in general, it sounds like you pretty much just felt like you were watching a kid's show and you didn't seem to necessarily love it or enjoy it that much? I just... Rem I'm shocked at how much I misremembered things. Okay, like I, what? I just... I thought Captain America had a much deeper voice. Captain America? Captain America. Yes, he does have a much deeper voice, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, sorry, I thought Captain Planet had a much deeper voice. I forgot he was so wisecracking. I also forgot that, yeah. He I just was... is constantly out with those jokes. They're pretty terrible. And I, the thing it, was, is... it was more so, I think, in the uh, that second episode that we watched. Yeah. I feel like he cracked more jokes in yeah. that one than in Canned Hunt. Well, he, he had two appearances in that one. Yeah. And so I, I guess like the limited screen time you have with him is, is almost as much as you really want. Because, one, you need some tension. Yeah. Uh, and you're not going to really develop that with an all-powerful character. Well, I mean, they still kind of... Anyway, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Uh, but, you know, you've got to build up your tension and your stakes and get everyone worried about what's going to happen. But, of course, they mostly just summon Captain Planet and that's it. But, my gosh, the limited screen time he has, I think that's all I could handle of him. Yeah, I agree. I, I was kind of like... It's it's hard because it, you when you just have the planeteers, they have to come up with more creative solutions because they themselves are not superheroes. No. They're just kids with these, like, powers which work well when they use them together. But for, I'm sort of just like, why doesn't Gaia just create Captain Planet <laughs> and just have Captain Planet Doing instead stuff of all the time. having to have the planeteers who then summon Captain Planet when they can't deal with the problem? I can imagine it's something to do with the go with the show's actual mission statement. I mean, I understand from a writer's standpoint why you don't do that, but it's just kind of like, it's one of those things where when you look at a show as an adult and you're like, if you just cut out the middleman here, you would have a much more efficient you know, yeah, but operation. that'd be putting a band-aid on the problem. We need to show the planet to care about the planet again. Yeah. And again, through five teenagers isn't necessarily going to be the best way to yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just sort of like, <laughs> uh... but it's relatable to kids who watch cartoons. I know. So, so I guess the point of the show is literally we talked about this earlier. Uh, you know, three days ago, um, about how the power is yours. And mm. that's basically the whole point of the show, is actually to empower young people, um, not only in the PSAs at the end, but just in general to show 
five powerful kids. Yeah. Um, and particularly Mati being the youngest one, having the power of heart, showing that even at a young age you could have compassion mm. and that in itself is a power. And it's nice to remind us that like, because uh, in the previous episode we didn't get as much of the powers in conjunction with other stuff and the teamwork kind of thing happening. I don't really remember that happening too much. I remember more solo episodes. Mm. Like I remember a Mati one. Where it was just kind of just kind of like just him, like just trying to f- like have this moment and like what's the name of the little monkey? Uh, Suchi. Yeah, that's it. EQ. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have anything else to add to that. You like you like the monkey. I like the monkey. Well, no, I related to Mati, of course, me being the youngest of three boys. Mm. So I automatically relate to the younger one, and he got such a power that is considered not fun. Uh, that I, I saw that as being something that I immediately related to. And growing up now as an adult, it's so weird. I actually had my boss come up to me the other day and said, Kurt, you have such strong heart. And I was like, Aww. oh, thank you. I'm going to talk about this on my podcast. Bless. <laughs> Can you guess which character I liked the most growing up? Linka. Yes. <laughs> I think you mentioned that three days ago. I th- did I? <laughs> yeah, I think you may have. Great. You Although guys, it's pretty obvious you guys to me. Are, you guys are getting, you know, um, <laughs> quality content here. Uh, I named my first ever pet after Linka. Aww. So I had a cat called Linka. That's adorable. Yeah. I yeah. think we've had this conversation, not on the podcast, but in some time I'm of sure knowing we each have. other yeah. over the eight, nine years or whatever long it's been. It's been a while. Um, yeah, so Linka was my was my cat that oh, I had growing adorable. up. adorable. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, now that I kind of look at it, I'm like... It's interesting to kind of reevaluate your own biases that you had as a kid. Like, why did I like Linka over Gee? Yeah, no, why did you? No reason. <laughs> Except probably I was a little bit racist. I mean, I liked um, Gee because she had the power of water and I was always attracted to the power of water in other heroes and stuff like that and dolphins. So I do generally feel like in most of the stories, Linka has a bit more like pizzazz. Like, she's quite a strong personality, as we saw in Canned Hunt, and that yep. carries through. She's always very, like, firmly this or firmly that. Even or... if she might be wrong, she will stand firm mm. in it. Totally. Until she's shown it's wrong. And there's always the whole, like, um, r- like kind of relationship with Wheeler where she's always like, ah, oh, get away, you, but, like, also she also likes him. So I just think there was a little bit more... Um, behind Linka as a character, whereas Gee was always, a bit underdeveloped. She's a little bit underdeveloped. I think she was, yeah, she just was kind of seemed like, what, who are you except that you like dolphins? Um, that's all I remember about Gee from the original series. And, and maybe it's just that I picked episodes where there was more for Linka to do, but I don't remember um, there being a lot of Gee related but, episodes. Again, just showing, you know, the, the biases of the people who probably wrote it, mm. giving all the character development to the white characters, whereas Kwame and Gee don't get that much. I was just about to say um, that it's kind of like you have a, an ensemble of five, but you still have a primary. Yeah, but Kwame is the leader of the group. That's what always confused me because. I know that after watching the pilot episode again a few years ago, but Wheeler has always felt like the leader of the group. But am I just associating that with Red because of Power Rangers? No, I think you're just going, that's the character that I remember more specifically because he, he has, has more screen time. More, well, more character. He's yeah. a more broadly stro- like broadly dro- drawn character. He's always like, he's wisecracking. He has flaws. He has flaws, whereas Kwame is just kind of like your standard stoic leader. Mm. Um, he's a Leonardo. From like Team Ninja Turtles, kind of boring, but leader and with two swords. I'm sure he is. Oh my gosh, I'm worried I'm going to have to put two Mutant Ninja Turtles on the list. I did watch, I think I did watch a fair bit of uh, TMNT growing up, but again, not enough to make a strong impact. I would probably avoid saying that because TMN, uh, TMNT is uh, both a combination of the reboot of the movies and the computer-generated reanimated series. So if you're referring to the original series, you should say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's too much of a mouthful. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, okay, so the abbreviation was around before the reboots. That's true. Um, what? Why did you pick these two episodes in particular? I know there was a lot to choose from, okay, so it probably so wasn't the most careful choice. It, it super duper wasn't. Um, so basically my method for picking these, because I didn't have a big memory of specific plot lines, is I read through the episode summaries for all the episodes mm, mm, and mm. then picked ones that sounded interesting to me. 
Um, and that's basically how I made my decision. And in order to prevent myself from having to watch days and days and days of um, Captain Planet, as long as I liked it. There were a couple that I tried first and got 10 minutes into and then switched off. Yeah. Um, those ones that particularly started with like a big, boring action sequence with Captain Planet. This one, all, like the second one also started with that, but the concept of it was interesting enough to keep me going. Whereas a lot of the other ones where they start with a big Captain Planet sequence, I was like, boring. But aren't they Switch. normally dealing with the repercussions after that? And I find those episodes a bit more interesting than the ones... Um, this is just my memory kicking in and also from re-experiencing it now, is that I, I do find it's interesting when you come into the action and see the repercussions of the action afterwards as opposed to an episode which might be more predictable where you could, the kids are going to do something, they're going to struggle, they're going to f- get to a point and then they're going to need Captain Planet, they'll summon him and then they win. I think that there's a potential for that to be very boring, basically. If if you get all your actions done at the beginning and then um, you're dealing with the repercussions, that sometimes that's not a very well-structured episode because it's not building to anything. Mm. Generally, it's building to another mini-climax that's not as big yeah, as the first exactly. one. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like... I think that that can be interesting, but it's less likely to be. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to have a really interesting problem in order for that to work well. Mm. Um, whereas, I think that this show doesn't always do interesting problems all that well. Um, no, right. So, it's easier for this show to be good using a traditional structure. True. Um, of building to that kind of, you know, three quarters through the way climax. Oh, work. yeah. I'm not saying that in the second episode it necessarily did that. Yeah. <laughs> but it did... It did deal with the repercussions, just not in a very deep or interesting well, way. Well, I don't necessarily think it was dealing with the repercussions of that particular circumstance. That circumstance led to a different cir- like led to a different problem. Yeah, that, that they they've already been solve. doing as a result of all these other things they've done. Exactly. That was just yeah. So I don't know. I, so basically, the reason I picked um, canned hunt was because it seemed like it was going to be well. It was, I think, a pretty well. Um, rounded episode in terms of I liked the fact that it was going to show a slightly more nuanced view on the idea of hunting. Yeah, no, I was surprised by that. Me too. Um, I I meant to do a lot of research and I kind of forgot to do it. Um, just about whether or not that viewpoint is still, still considered, mm. um, you know, acceptable, or whether or not we've moved past um, hunting as a viable um, kind of way of maintaining ecological balance. Well, there's culling that happens um, around national parks and certain things like that. Well, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. I don't know anything about that. I don't know much about it, but I know it still happens. I only it know still about, happens in Australia. I only know about culling of pests, mm. which is different. So kangaroos, despite being a native population, are considered pests. Mm. Um, again, I don't know if I agree with that uh, because the kangaroos were here first. Um, and, and so I'm like, well, you know, just cause they're ruining, you know, agriculture, does that make them pests? But then again, or are you culling because there's not enough free, like they say in the episode, there's not enough resources to the, maintain that population. Yes. Um, or like, um, the other animals in the environment. So for example, if some, some factors of climate change or introduction of other species or human interaction mm. has caused to disrupt the ecosystem in a way that now one particular group of animals is thriving and the others are struggling. Yeah. That's a situation that I've heard of. I'm like, trying to in, remember. Well, like predators are, are, are surviving at a, at a disproportionate rate yes. to kind of more prey animals. Yes. And I, I'm, I'm tentative to use the word predator because I can't remember what the name of what the animal was. And I have a feeling it's not one you would consider to be predatorial. Right. But it's 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 a lot of the competition of, of resources sure, and all sure. that sort of thing. So, um, you know, you've got some uh, a group of animals that is, you know, breeding like rabbits, for lack of a better word. And then you've got another gr- uh, uh, several groups of animals that also set the same resource, but are starting yeah, to yeah. dwindle out because there's not enough food to cover their fastly growing population. Yeah, right. So it's like in order to, you know, protect this, you know, endangered species, do you cull another? Do you cull another species? Yeah, no, it isn't an easy question to answer, but it's it's something that I've heard about and seen on, yeah, on walks great. and national parks and things like that. So I think that it was. I, I found it interesting that this episode kind of presented that because you expect to go into Captain Planet and get a very black and white animals are good, people are bad or animals are good, um, we have to protect them kind of viewpoint. A very left wing green recycle, recycle, reuse, re... reuse, reduce, recycle. Reuse, reduce, recycle. Thank you. Um, 
yeah, that's kind of what I expected. And so, yeah, I was surprised and kind of pleased to see another viewpoint and to see our planeteers kind of be divided over that, mm. you know, to, to see that Link is like... No, hunting is always no, bad. No, hunting is always bad. And then to even at the end of the episode, for her to say, I understand your viewpoint, I still don't agree with it, but I see where you're coming from. Like, the idea that somebody can actually go through that experience and come out with a balanced point of view at the end while still maintaining their convictions is like something that most 45-year-olds can't do, let alone <laughs> showing a 16 to 17-year-old. Yeah. Um, and so I think I really appreciated that about this episode. I was surprised by it, but that's part of the reason I picked it. Um, in terms of Wheeler's arc, I think I paid a little bit less attention to that one. Um, but again, I think, I think the idea that we were showing... Um, quite a grim view, actually, of oh, yeah, the like, state the, of the world. The rest of the world is just nowhere is safe for these animals. Nowhere is safe. Like Every time they tried safe. to repatriate the animals, there was a different problem everywhere. And just gonna, showing the complexity of the problems that they were dealing with in the world. It was late at night when you were picking this episode, wasn't it? No, it was no. daytime. So you were just feeling the general grudge of, of the, the despair constantly of, of the world constantly. that's going to be on fire soon it's absolutely right there oh, at all times oh gosh jane how do you um, get through the day uh, just <laughs> compartmentalize um so I think yeah and it's it's so disheartening to see so much what's the word idealism mm-hmm. no no that's not the word optimism mm-hmm. when this show was being created and pushed and ran for so long to try and influence a different generation. Mm. And to see that that hasn't fully taken hold. Like, I know Captain Planet wasn't necessarily going to change the planet, but I definitely think it did make an impact on some people's lives. Well, I I mean, I do... I don't credit, like, specifically this show, but the general awareness of kind of environmental issues, I think does... I think it did have an influence on our generation. I think that having these ideas exposed to us at a young age, whether through Captain Planet or through other means... Um, has helped our has mostly helped our generation to be a lot more aware. Um, the the problem that we face in the world is that we the people in power still aren't um, didn't have these messages going through right. didn't have these messages growing up. We're still being ruled by baby boomers. Um, we had this seed of emotional planet caring awareness planted in us from an early age. So the fact we're a bit older now, it's like oh yeah, clearly uh, the planet it's, it's got to take care of it. Well, yeah, I mean... But people, that's not what clearly other people think. No, other people are just kind of like, well, no, it's fine. We'll just do what we've always been doing. Because, again, you're always going to... It's very hard to overcome the the values that are thrown at you in childhood. And I think there's things where, like, you know, whether it's uh, belief systems, that kind of thing, in some ways, when they personally affect you so specifically, it's almost easier to overcome those upbringings... Um, whether it's, you know, I, I chose no longer to believe um, in my church because all these terrible things happened to me and I came no longer to believe in God. The problem with environmental problems is it's so abstract still. I mean, I don't think it's abstract. I think you walk outside and you notice that there's climate change. But to so many people, it's such an abstract idea mm. that the planet, the whole planet is being affected by factors that we can't really see so you have to you have to think a little bit harder and it's not necessarily affecting you personally so it doesn't seem like a priority to try and change your thinking on that and also it's easy for many of the masses to just think that i'm not going to make much of a difference i'm just one person totally which is understandable Mm -hmm. but there's so much out there to help People realise what they can do as one person. Yeah, it's quite challenging. What um, I, I talk about this with my housemate a lot. And there's, it's tricky because in my group of people that I know in Melbourne that are around my age, there's a lot of constant thought about the ethics of what you're doing the sustainability of your life, of, you know, you know, trying to reduce your carbon footprint as much as possible. Mm. Um, as, as a consumer, as a generation of consumers, most of the people that I know in this element of my life are very conscious about that. 
the people that I know back home in Kalgoorlie, oh. in some senses, may be less concerned with that. Um, and it's just uh, an exposure thing, I think. Mm. Um, it's also a mining town thing. Yeah. Um, you know, everything everything seems very, it's very focused on mining and you're not really thinking about the sustainability. You're thinking about your industry and the continuation of your industry. Um, but what we actually sort of need as, as a society is almost to be less focused on ourselves and our ethical consumer practices and more focused on trying to change um, governmental policy and, you know, big state and federal state law, and, federal law and, and big business practices. Because mm. really, at the end of the day, that's what's going to make the difference. Going to make the difference. We can all switch to... Um, an you know, no, bank. no, yeah, an ethically sourced bank or no single use plastic. But what what actually needs to happen is we need to be pressuring the companies that are producing the single use plastic to stop doing that and find better ways of, you know, of distributing their goods. Um, because if they stop doing it, we'll adjust. Yeah, it's like how they they banned plastic bags in Victoria. Has anybody died? No. Has anybody really struggled? No. We had like two weeks of vague inconvenience where we were like, damn it, I forgot my canvas bag. But you know what? You either buy a new canvas bag or you just start remembering to bring your canvas bag. Now I can't stop you thinking know? about Tim Minchin's song, Canvas Bag. I don't know. Uh, anyway. Um, I don't it's know. It's so basically take your canvas bag, take your canvas bag, take your canvas bag to the supermarket. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> my, my point is, I think what... what um, our generation has taken away from this show and other shows like it is that um, that power is yours feeling that like mm. if we just recycle everything will be fine and that's all well and good what we need now are TV shows for kids or for adults that show that well actually what you can do is write lots and lots of letters to your local member and make sure you vote for the right parties to mm. actually get the right people in power or um, become active in local politics yourself. You know, peaceful demonstration, all of this kind of stuff. Potentially that stepping up to a climate change denier. I recently listened to a podcast called Side Note, who's actually done by the guys behind ASAP Science. Have you ever seen some of their videos on YouTube? Anyway, they do cute little drawings of stuff, and they're both science teachers who are actually a gay married couple, and it's super cute. Uh, anyway, uh, one of their recent episodes was uh, on climate change denies, and he's actually made a whole YouTube video around it, looked into like scientists and studies to talk at like how to actually talk about them, how to... At, like approach them how to try and personalize the issue how to kind of make it matter to them um, but then also that's going to be very difficult you don't want to try and spend all your time talking to no people as opposed to the maybe people yeah um, where it's more likely that they'll be open and willing to engage in another point of view I think that's kind of my my not problem but the difficulty I have whenever you end up in a situation where you're just with somebody who's like no nah, I don't believe in climate change because that person is so immovable um, and will not change their mind no matter how many facts you throw at them. Mm. And so what you're doing is you're just creating a wall of noise and continuing to build up their barriers and, and they'll just keep going like, no, 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 and become even less likely to listen. Um, so I think you're right. The, the challenge is not to argue with the no's. It's to, it, the challenge is to find the people who are on the fence or who go like, oh, no, like, yeah, like climate change is happening, but like, I'm going to do it right. So like, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Mm. Um, mm. It's to it's to find those people who who could, yeah, be open to change. Um, I don't often find myself in the company of climate change deniers. Oh, neither do I. Neither do I. I think I have maybe once and then I was just like immediately retreated yeah which is <laughs> not, not like not like uh, it probably wasn't the best choice but i know i was drinking and they were drinking and yeah. i'm like i do i just this could be an altercation i don't want to totally. raise this as a, as a thing in a situation i mean in a different climate potentially outside of the workplace i don't know it's, it's a challenging question or it is thought. and and it's interesting you bring up in the workplace as well because i think that's probably where I've experienced the most, not climate change denial, but just kind of... Um, pushback. Pushback against, mm. uh, you know, sustainability or environmentalist ideas. Mm. Um, and it's usually done in relatively good nature, but it, it is an argument. Yeah. Um, and that I find 
difficult because I am pretty non-confrontational generally. Yeah, no, no, you you aren't a confrontational person. No, um, would love weight at all costs, but I but I also like to have I do like to have the discussion, and and so I've seen it happen both as a particular gentleman that I work with, um, who really likes to stir the pot, and when we used to have somebody who um was an ardent vegan and extreme environmentalist, oh, yeah. um, he would he would say things just to get a rise out of her. And I'm, I was never too sure whether he believed them or not. But if you actually just have a conversation with him, he'd be quite reasonable. Um, the problem is you always end up the conversation with him going like, yeah, I'm still going to eat meat though. Mm. Um, and that's not me having any problems with meat eaters. I am uh, not really, a ve- I'm not a vegetarian. Um, I don't eat a lot of meat, but I'm not actively a vegetarian. And me as a vegetarian, I really respect that view because I just think like ultimately you're trying to make everyone in the world stop eating meat. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, people who are just more aware of it and being a bit more conscious as to how much meat they're um, taking in, what kind of meat industry uh, markets they're actually supporting. Mm-hmm. That means a big difference to me. That's why uh, whenever someone, I shouldn't, but whenever someone thinks that I'm a vegan, I mean, say, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you, and have, I shouldn't. Delved, you have delved in, like, there are certain things that you don't like to eat, right? Like, you, you don't I try love, to avoid gelatin. You don't love gelatin. Yeah, I try to avoid gelatin. And, um, but I, what's the other thing I don't eat? I don't know. That's, meat. I mean, meat. Meat <laughs> um, and gelatin are the two that come to mind. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think the, the point is we all just need to be a little more aware. Um, and, and like I say, while this show has, given a lot of us the tools to be open to ideas, I think that, A, when missing, when missing a show like this now for kids, mm. um, not that I don't think kids aren't completely inundated with um, Other issues discussions of climate change all the time. Oh, yeah, and they've um, bloody marched for it too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just to stave off the, you know, to existential dread of there's nothing we can do. Mm. Um, the the feeling of being empowered to try and make change, I think in a more um, overarching way to how we were taught to make change, which is just us ourselves. I don't know. I think I think there's work to be done there in terms of trying to get people to band together. Yeah. 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 yeah no, it's a really interesting point. I mean, it's really disheartening remembering how much the children are the future is a phrase that was thrown around so much. Should we sing the song? <laughs> no. Uh, wow. Okay. Because <laughs> I all I have in my head right now is a song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend called Face Your Fears, where she just says, "That's not how the song." No, goes. I know. I know. I don't think I do know the song. That's why I said no. Aww. <laughs> it sounds like this. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well, let them lead the way. Show us all the, show them all the beauty they possess inside. Yeah, something going Give on. Give them okay. a sense of pride <laughs> to make it easier. Sorry, guys, I don't know the words. Let the children's laughter. I chime in, but remind us how it used to be. I decided long ago. It's quite a weird song. Cause it <laughs> it goes takes a long from... time to get to Children of the Future again, well, doesn't it? It doesn't really go back to Children. Oh, but it's it just starts a off time. with being like Children of the Future, teach them and let them, let them lead the way. To the greatest love of all is inside of me. And I just so like just that... like I'm gonna make myself feel good about myself. I just like the two mixed messages. It's either like teach the children to make a difference, but also love yourself. And I'm like. Those two ideas, they're two great ideas, but they don't really go hand in hand. Unless you're saying teach the children to love themselves and then they can be the future. But you don't really make that connection in the song. I just think it could use a little bit of a tweak. Maybe they were targeting stay-at-home mums. But, I mean, they definitely were. Um... (laughs) Um, So what I was trying to get to before that interlude was that I find it quite disheartening thinking about phrases that were really popular back then. Yeah. um, That, you know, the children of the future, that's been a popular phrase for for a considerable amount of time. Like forever. But now we're like, there isn't going to be a planet for the children of the future. I still believe that the kids of today are doing a pretty good job. Oh, I I agree completely. But I think, uh, like, as I'm sure you agree, there needs to be more done by our generation before we just leave it up to them. I know. We're all so fucking depressed. (laughs) We're on medication. 
we're all we're all sad. We're all sad because we watched too much Captain Planet growing up, and we thought things were going to get better. And guess what? It didn't, folks. I recycled. <laughs> it's so upsetting. Anyway, Woo. back to Captain Planet as a show. Yeah. Um. It's it's. I don't know what it is. It's definitely a kids' show. It's definitely starters. a kids' like, show. So let's just take a step back and yeah. remember that like, it is a kids' show the, and it is designed to be edutainment. With the glassy hue of a doll's eye, it's going to be more flattering, I imagine. Gosh, this is difficult. Before I give my rating, yeah. can you tell me in one sentence why it is that you love Clapton Planet? Clapton, Clapton Planet? Yeah. Um, Clapton Planet went to the whole house and had a little bit too much fun. <laughs> Sorry, that's an inappropriate term. I knew you were going to um, go there, but I was surprised you did still. Um, a, a place where sex workers perform their business is a better phrase. Yes. Uh, okay, so reason number one, nostalgia. Okay. Um, I have, I guess I'm going to say why I have really fond memories of this show. Yep, that's actually yeah. a better way to Yeah, no, this, this is probably going to be probably for the most of the season. Possibly, because it's yeah. more along the lines of, we loved the show, but we, we, loved we, it we used kids. to love the yeah. show so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I loved the show because I think I've, I've always gravitated toward ensemble dramas. So I always really appreciated that there was a big variety of things happening in the show because you could focus on a different character each week. And even though I had my favorite character, um, I still liked that, you know, I could look forward to there being an episode about her, um, because, because then, you know, every, every week was still good, but there was weeks that you could look forward to, Mm. um, so I think that that's that's one of the reasons I really gravitated toward the been, show. Oh, I guess most kids shows are ensemble cast, though, aren't they? I was gonna say not all of them. Yeah, this, I was gonna say, is this probably your first exposure to? Oh well, who knows? Yeah, uh, it's the first one I remember watching and and, and having it like watching going back to watch it again. Having at the same time. having that kind of idea of a team that work well together, mm, um, mm. I think has has been part of what's shaped the kind of TV that I like. Yeah. I love a TV show where there's people who have to come together to solve a problem um, by using each of their strengths. Scooby Gang. Uh, Scooby Gang. And, and when I say Scooby Gang, I mean the Buffy Scooby Gang, not the actual Scooby Gang. I mean, also in the actual Scooby Gang. I they do have different. I'm watching um, Mystery Incorporated, and it's quite fascinating that sure. they finally got a good run at it. Continue. Um, so I think that, that team element is definitely one of the main things that pulled me toward um, this show. And also just genuinely, I think, the idea that I knew I was being educated and I didn't mind it. Yeah, and I was like, having fun. I was having fun while they were t- while I was also developing these ideas about environmentalism and whether how aware I was of that as a kid. Mm. I'm not really sure, but the fact that it got me and it held me, and even though I don't remember specifics, the love of this show still fills my heart. I couldn't watch a lot of it now. Um, <laughs> even just trying to find these episodes, I was kind of like, okay, this is pretty boring because as we discussed last week, the only thing that bores me more than an action sequence is a cartoon action sequence. Um, so by the time Captain Planet comes out, I'm like, no, 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 go back and show me the creative, you know, interesting solutions that the kids have to come up with. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. really what I craved. Yeah, you would have much rather them keep figuring it out and then figured it out. Yeah. Without you would have preferred Captain Planet without Captain Planet. I would absolutely would have preferred <laughs> Captain Planet without Captain Planet. Um but yeah, I think I think that that's the idea. I felt like I was getting great messaging while also being entertained and that's what edutainment is there for and yeah. you know, we don't have a lot of it today and I I think it's um kind of a missing link. It's got to be because of so much saturation of entertainment this in this day and age and YouTube Mm. uh, education has uh, sorry not education well yes also education entertainment has to be so enticing Mm. to not only grab your attention maintain your attention and then keep you coming back again in five seconds or next week um, for the next episode and so what I think is a bit sad about today's um, children's shows is that they're having to be super subtle 
with all of their ideas and trying to put this sort of mm. stuff out there. So like you see in a, a show like She-Ra, which is trying to make kids more aware of different types of people, different body types, mm-hmm. different nationalities, uh, different sexualities, different genders, but has to do it so slyly that you might not even notice. I think that that... Um... It may be that what we're consuming a lot of, uh, what we see as mm. people who don't have children. Yeah, we, um, we don't we don't see kids in front of the TV all the time. No, so a lot of what we do see is stuff that's aimed at older kids. Remembering this is aimed at young kids. Right. Um, I feel like this is, you know, you don't really watch this past the age of seven or eight. Mm. Um, yeah, and, no, I think I stopped about eight years old. And so it's, it's interesting because if you look at stuff aimed a little bit younger um, and, and there's a show that we're going to talk about, I think I'm going to give it to you um, later on the season. I mentioned it earlier was um, a show that my, that my niece watches, yes, yes. which is um, not, not edutainment in the same way that this is as it comes out with a very specific um, pointed thing that it's targeting, which is environmentalism, um, but as a show that actually has really, really, really great messages mm. in each episode that are, uh, that it's both entertaining enough that you want to watch more of this show, but also it has really great social messaging mm. um, to teach kids. I guess like... Like my sister approves of it. She's a teacher. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no it's, it's high praise. What I guess what really reminds me of the fact that even though there were so many shows that when I was in that age bracket that I was watching at the time that had a little message at the end, Sailor Moon, Pokemon, Captain Planet, they have a little message at the end being like, after school special, hello, this is the lesson you learned mm. today. Even Digimon, I'm pretty sure. But I remember actually feeling proud after watching a Captain Planet one. Mm. Because it didn't feel like I was trying to be tricked into learning something. It made me feel like it was me learning something, but more than about just me. Me learning something yeah. about... Yeah, and by you choosing to watch this show, knowing that you're going to get a message at the end of it, it kind or of... Or two. Or two, <laughs> weirdly. Um, it kind of, yeah, does make you feel like I'm here and I'm I'm here to do good, almost. Mm, mm. A sense of superiority, you know. I mean, I love feeling superior to other people. I was about to relate it to religion, and then you said that, but that also kind of yeah, <laughs> it all it all comes together, you know. Oh, foot is in mouth today on this podcast. Well, it's I like not, that you don't you care. Stopped. Yeah, yeah, you yep. stopped yourself. Mm. So that's good. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> I'm um... going to give this two glassy doll eyes out of four. Okay. I'm enough. surprised at that rating, but given that it is glassy doll eyes, I don't know why I keep calling them glassy. I just played a video game where I versed a possessed girl's doll and she was very creepy. This show has a, a lot more to give than it looks like on the surface. Mm. And while some episodes might be whatever, the episode that I accidentally watched instead of this one was was very interesting uh, and involved, you know, talking about different racial elements from Marty's perspective. Um, and it was just... This, I think this show can surprise you still to this day. Yeah, I, I was genuinely surprised. And honestly, I think resurgence in 2020, baby. Yeah. I would love for Captain Planet. Like a Captain Planet movie has been like teased for a long time. Never going to happen. I Never going to happen. Um, in uh, college, uh, college humor or whoever did it. I keep meaning to watch that. I keep forgetting. Have you never seen that? No. It's like seven minutes. It's great. I know. Don Cheadle, I think. I, yeah, it is. I've been meaning to watch it. It even came up when I was looking for stuff. But um, I just kept going, I'll watch that later. How long has that been on your watch later list on YouTube? Well, how long has it been out? Like seven years? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't think I'll ever go through my watch labor list on YouTube. I don't have a watch labor list on YouTube. Mine's mine's ever four digits now. I don't I really don't have one of those mm. lists. I just remember things. Uh okay, yeah, no, it, it can surprise you and and I would really like uh if anyone has kids who listen to this podcast to put it on and see if your kid likes it. Because I mean there's so much fun colors and animals and different there's things. There's some stuff that they'll laugh at like, you know, the the technology and stuff like that. And the that. cheesy one-liners, even the cheesy way that they higgish Hoggish. Hoggish. Hoggish Greasley. There we go. Um, even the, the, the corny way they assemble, his, like, associate his greed with a pig and mm. that sort of imagery. It's not super subtle. No. It's, it's definitely not. But it's but, well, well, well enough done, I think. And it's fun. It's fun. It's, and it's for the idea that I hope, um, you know, some way we could get this kind of back on there. I don't know. Couldn't get ourselves trending on Twitter, so I doubt we'll get Captain Planet trending on Twitter. But wouldn't it be cool? Anyway. 
Captain Planet 2020, everybody. <laughs> okay, I think that's um, that's all we have time for today. Uh, mm. Let's quickly do our what are we watching? What's in your eye this week, Kurt? Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, sir. So I have been watching The Mandalorian. Of course, you have. Yes. yes. I caved. I got Disney Plus, and I'm watching The Mandalorian. And because I have Disney Plus. <laughs> I have a profile on Kurt's account. It's fine, it's allowed. It's not illegal. Jane's basically my significant other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. That is a little too terrifying. Um, it's all right. I plan on going another date soon. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Not to say that a boyfriend can ever take the place of Jane because Jane's been a very big constant in my life. You know life. that foot and mouth thing that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, no, I don't know when to stop. Keep going. To... The Mandalorian. Are you enjoying it? <laughs> very much. Great. I'm guessing you already know about um, the little Tucker. That's all I know about it. You're, so all you know is Baby Yoda. Baby all Yoda, I know Baby is Baby Yoda. Yoda. You know it's not Baby Yoda, right? I, I, I believe it's a, a protege, a, a child of Yoda, perhaps. Or that we don't know. But don't know. May, maybe it's a baby Yoda. Maybe it's... I know it isn't Yoda as a baby. I'm mm. aware of that. Yes. Um, great. Fantastic stuff. Actually, genuinely, this made me put a bit more hope into Star Wars. Like... I really loved the direction Last Jedi was going because of the fan outcry. I'm really worried about what J.J. Abrams did in the last movie. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. We're recording this (laughs) at the beginning of December, so we don't know what's going to happen in The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that's Yeah, We don't know. So maybe we loved it. Maybe we hated it. Who's to say? I'm hoping I didn't hate it. That's all I want. Just not hate. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it takes something real bad for me to hate it. Yeah. And I've got some faith in him. Yes, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be fine. It's going to be Carrie Fisher's last time on screen. I mean, you know she's already dead. Right? Yes, I do. Um, and on that I note, t- what? Did I ever <laughs> tell you how inconvenient Carrie Fisher's death was to me, personally? Um, no. Maybe um, you have told me this story. So Carrie Fisher died very close to New Year's Eve. And in my organization, when I used to work for the New Year's Eve event that we run, we do right. a Vale yeah, video yeah. where we point out everybody who died. Oh, God. And we finished the Vale video about a week beforehand. And then Carrie Fisher died, which was pretty inconvenient. So we had to call our person who made the Vale and get that done. And then another person from within the organization also died. And then we had to call the Vale guy again and get that done. And then, and then, uh, then Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds died. And so we had to call the Vale guy again. And he was like, I can't keep making changes. And we were like, okay, but people keep dying <laughs> we can't stop people from dying and we also can't miss them out of our ballet so anyway um what has been in my eye this week uh in my ears it's another podcast oh i'm also as much as i keep talking about new podcasts i'm also out of podcasts how does this keep happening because i keep catching up <laughs> and a lot of my podcasts are every two weeks um, so I need more podcast recommendations. Please come over to us on social media and tell me about some ideas. At Major Look Pod. At Major Look Pod. I'm happy to receive. I like some true crime, but not all true crime. I, you know, I prefer to be. I'm pretty, you know, curated with the true crime that I listen to. <laughs> Entertainment, general knowledge. So what were you fun, listening to? Thing. The Illusionist. <laughs> okay. Um, the illusionist, not the illusionist. Oh, what does illusion mean? Uh, illusion. In fact, they just spoke about this on the podcast. No, I just worked on a lesson, like an English lesson for it, and I'm like, illusion. I don't know what that means. So an illusion is a reference, basically. So oh, so it has, I do it all the time. Yeah, totally. When you allude to something. Oh. I'm alluding to something else, or, or you make an illusion. So, you know, if you... If you yeah, if you reference another time, place, object, piece of media in your work, you are making an illusion. Mm. So the illusionist, it's basically a show about the etymology of words. So oh, that's that, oh, that's right up your alley. It's so up my alley. <laughs> I love it. It's really um, really really interesting. Really hilarious. It's by Helen Zaltzman, who's also in my Veronica Mars Investigates podcast. Oh yes. Um, and it's just a great time. I'm sad I've nearly caught up. And they only release every two weeks. And they're quite short episodes. They're only about 20 minutes each. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. And really in loving that. Well, on the back of that, I'll give you two podcast recommendations that some of our listeners might like. Since we kind of try to analyze stuff. Um, no such thing as a fish. I'm sure I've told it to you before. Have, you have heard of this before, right? I don't know if I have. This is a podcast that I really love. But also one of my exes... <laughs> um, uh, uh, 
it encouraged me to watch it. And so it, I kind of am reminded about him all the time sure. whenever I listen to it. But it's a really fun podcast. It's written by the QILs from QI. So the writers of Quite Interesting. Oh, so you've talked about this before. Yes, yeah. I have. Um, where they each bring an interesting fact to the show that they've figured out for that week. And they've just got all this knowledge in their heads. They're just bouncing off each other all the time. Very fun show. I actually got it recommended back to me from some person that I recommended it to them a year ago. Mm -hmm. And that felt very fun in the office. (laughs) Uh, But uh, the other one is the one that I mentioned earlier, which I might just reiterate for anyone who's really into science. Um, So you've got ASAP Science, uh, a bunch of YouTube videos, which are trying to summarize and visually make it a bit more exciting. Um, different things that would happen in the world or how they happen in the world, what happens in your human body, all that kind of jazz. Or climate change deniers, how to tackle them. What a different mm-hmm. left-wing video for them to produce, you know. But it's they're also a really fun, cute um, gay couple. One of them happened to be on Big Brother Canada. Um, and, like, okay. he was obsessed with Big Brother and, like, the whole, like, survivalist thing, um, the strategies of the game. But uh, it's fun because they each have a different way of, like, talking about a case study of different scientific news that's happened. They'll jump on different topics in terms of, you know, jewels or vaping or um, pubic hair or any kinds of, like, long list of issues or kinds of things that could be tackled. Uh, Video game violence, small town versus a Mm -hmm. big city, what Mm -hmm. nurtures all these other things. And they'll take different sides of an argument and so have to fight for the other side even though you might think they will always be have, or have a similar mindset mm-hmm. so ASAP Science is the YouTube series and Side Note is their podcast and Side Note is their podcast okay yes. great I'll also put that in the um, what are you watching section just as uh, you know Bonus. similar recs so <laughs> thank you very much for your time today and for listening to us waffle about environmentalism um, if you could rate review or subscribe that would mean a big deal to us that's right you could do that on your um, Apple podcast app or on iTunes and uh, you can find us at all the other uh, podcast places I've recently migrated over to Stitcher because my Apple podcast app stopped working so I'm, oh yeah so did mine I'm figuring out how to use Stitcher it's great and like if it was said earlier, come find us on social media as well. Instagram at Major Look Pod. Also, there are other platforms where I really use them. Uh, until next time. Farewell. Bye. We should have a sign off. We'll figure that out. We should do one right now. Oh my gosh. Go, Planet. No. Go, Kurt and Jane. No. Woohoo! We are great. That's like an affirmation. <laughs> Um, TV forever. TV forever. (laughs) I'll be waiting. Everlasting. Oh my gosh. I would have thought I would have broken out into song way more on this podcast than you. Yeah, I just like to sing off key. (laughs) Um, Bye. Bye. During a storm at the Planetia base. Uh, is it a, what is that? It was never referred to what that is or where it is. Is it just where Gaia hangs out in a hut? During a storm at the Planetia... Can you keep reading? Yeah. Um, Gaia is telling our teen heroes about the protectors of the Earth who protected the planet from harm. The previous protectors of the Earth who protected the, our planet from harm. An ancestor of the villain, uh, Don Porkloin... You watched the wrong episode. I watched the wrong episode. Did you follow the link? I put the link in there oh. because I knew. But it said can't. I knew that the that Daily Motion was a liar. But it's Daily Motion link. I know, but it's a different episode. Oh, That's no. why I put the link there because I knew. I knew that it came up with the wrong episode first. It wasn't loading on my laptop properly, so I loaded it on my PlayStation. I haven't even watched the episode that you're talking about. So... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 